With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Out of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Out Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and helping you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us and you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Um, Follow us on our social media, on our Facebook page. Go there, like the, the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like, listen to archive shows, leave comments, share, all of that good stuff. Also on Twitter, follow the show on Twitter, at Zero Radio on Twitter, and at Lorenzo T. Neal. That's my personal uh, on Twitter. Also, you can call in. Uh, sometimes we do the show. Today we're live, and if you want to call, get on the air, it's Three four seven two three seven five two three zero. You can do that, and um, uh, it's, it's, we're all over the place, man. We are we are all over the place. Thank you so much. Uh, chat room is open if you want to call in. If you don't want to call in, but you want to get on the chat, go to blocktalkradio.com slash zero to slash, yeah slash zero today, <laughs> and you can get in uh, the chat room. And leave messages just there. And also, this is available on all your uh, podcast uh, uh, platforms. So you can catch it on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, and anywhere else. You can Spotify. Anywhere else you would want to listen, you can find it. Last thing before we get started to the show... Thank you for your support. If you have not done so, go to Patreon.com and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that. You can help this show grow and do better. Thank you so much for joining us. Got a lot I want to get into today, and I'm going to join. I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to talk about uh, the death of Chadwick Boseman, um, Tyler Perry, now a billionaire, and uh, um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about John Gray and the continued dis- civil disrest that's going on in this country. So, so I'll just go ahead and lead off with the John Gray issue. If you have not heard yet, if you have not seen yet, if you've been under a rock somewhere or you just don't care, <laughs> uh, Pastor John Gray has made the news again for alleged infidelity uh, or impre- inappropriate relationships. I'll put it that way. That's the best way. An inappropriate relationship. Uh, it was reported about two weeks ago that a woman who uh, only used the name Mary was trying to extort him and that they had some type of relationship. Uh, that he was communicating with her, sending pictures, FaceTiming, and all of that. And the funny thing is that he said his wife does not cook anymore. And, well, I think that was probably the biggest thing right there, you know. <laughs> I think that set off everybody else. You're going to say your wife don't cook and you need a good meal <laughs> and you're a big dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of him. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make light of the allegations. Uh, I am intentionally making light of the allegations. Like they are very serious, but um, I'm just making light uh, of it for for this moment, for this purpose. Um, if you go to the ChristianPost.com, you'll find the article there, and the article says it's in. This is the title. John Gray says he submitted to a process of restoration after new infidelity allegations. Now, okay, this woman who is from Houston uh, says that, you know, that she and he had some type of relationship. And and even, even states, she even states that he invited her to her home, to his home in Houston while he was there, um, and she didn't go. She declined because she felt that he wanted to sleep with her. So apparently, it was not a physically romantic relationship, but there was it was improper, inappropriate altogether. And so, for the second time, as pastor of Relentless Church there in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. He stands before his congregation and uh is in so many words. And I, I had the opportunity to watch the broadcast. If you're not familiar, Relentless Church on on their YouTube channel streams their broadcast about two to three, maybe four times a day on Sunday. Um and I, I catch sometimes I catch it in the early broadcast, sometimes I catch it in the later broadcast. Um but I caught I caught the last part, and he had already made his confession, and you could already sense, and I could sense rather, you know, uh, this is going to be a tough little time for that church, and it, it will be. It, there's no way around that, you know. You have you're dealing with a a pastor who has been publicly uh, embarrassed on a number of occasions, and I, I use the word embarrassed. Uh, because of his uh, behavior, you know, he's caught slack first um, 
for the 200K vehicle that he got his wife for their eighth wedding anniversary. Then um, after all that came out and, you know, they he, he had to share about his inappropriate relationship. The next thing that came up, not even a year later, was the fact that uh, there was conflict between him and the former pastor of the church, Ron Carpenter, and that basically the Carpenters ordered the eviction, and there was there was a lot of legality in dispute regarding uh, ownership of the property, management of the property, and um, uh, staff re- uh, retention. You know those staff members who. Uh, stayed employed who were part of the former church now part of the relentless church all all kinds of things and uh, that debacle did not help much and I, I i don't believe it's come to a res- full resolution and there as i understand they're still using relentless church is still using the property i could be mistaken uh, they were supposed to get out at the end of december but Apparently, they're still there, so something is working for them. But anyway, so those two things really put a damper on his ministry and called into question not just his integrity, but his uh, uh, administrative, pastoral administrative abilities. And I said before, uh, you know, when you throw novice pastors into situations such as his, there is bound to be damaged both to the congregation and to the uh, leader himself or herself. Being part of the AME tree, uh, AME tradition and itinerant, I get moved around, and uh, I've been fortunate to have pastored some wonderful churches. Uh, but when you're first thrown into a large church or a medium church uh, or in our case a first church, a lead church pastoral role um, very challenging because the responsibility is great the reputation is even great I mean when I got to my current charge it was a lead church you know first church on the district you know like second church in the conference and that's prestigious and with that prestige comes a whole lot of responsibilities, both at the local level and at the Episcopal and Connection level. You're expected to have a great sense of, uh, of uh, 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 ability. I don't know why I'm stumbling. Y'all just excuse me. So you expect to have a great sense of ability and responsibility. You're supposed to be able to handle that because that shows whether you're capable of any further leadership, you know, promotion in in design. And it was clear when the agreement between the carpenters and the um the grades was made that uh John Gray was not prepared adequately to take on that that role. And uh, he may have had great support systems but he was not prepared. Emotionally he was not prepared. Um, and you can listen to some of his sermons and can tell that he was not prepared. He, you know, he he dealt with issues that he was dealing with, and 
uh, and then turn those into sermons. And it was apparent that he was doing that for for a lot of his sermons. And that's that's good. It's relatable, you know. But there wasn't much meat to it. It wasn't much challenge to it. It was, uh, but that's just me. I'm I'm being a bit more critical. So, it, it, but the support system that he may have had, um, and the training he may have had as in, in the role of an associate minister. And, and I've been an associate minister, and I know we eager. Once you're in that associate role, sometimes you just get eager to pastor. And I I can recall when I was. I was, you see, I was still a teenager, and being an associate, I, and I began pastoring in my, well, I was 20, 21, when I began uh, pastoring, even though I had interim uh, roles at pastor at 17 and 18, you know, uh, my first real role as a pastor was in my very early 20s. I had to to mature very quickly because the there were adults in their 50s, 60s and 70s expecting me to provide leadership to them, not just preach but provide real leadership, provide real a real sense of uh pastoral care and counseling. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm just a kid. How can I do that? But the Lord graced me to do it. it I I think he had, he has, speaking of uh, Pastor Gray, he has wonderful intentions. And I'm grateful that he'll probably take this moment to step away. I think he should have done it after the first incident. And it, it wouldn't have been embarrassing. And I've shared in my early 20s uh, all the mistakes that I I made, including having an inappropriate relationship. Uh that, that you know, you learn from that, and this would certainly be something for him to learn, learn from. But anyway, back to the article. The article states that um, he had been confronted by godly friends, and he would now submit to a process that he had never endured, endured before for an indefinite period. The process of restoration that would require me to continue to do the deep work, not only of therapy, but of emotional health professionals, physical restoration, because my body and my soul have been deeply wounded and impacted by a life that was rooted in shame, he said. I don't know how long that process is going to be. Now, I admire his transparency for this. And this is one of the things as, I've, as a pastor that I've had to learn to be emotionally uh, vulnerable enough to my members to allow them to see that I'm just like them. And while the calling and gifts are without repentance, the human experience uh, places us in, in moments where sometimes our decisions are not the best and our behaviors no longer really reflect the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us and, or our, the anointing within us upon us. Or, you know, the capacity of the office in which we serve. And uh, all preach, all preachers, are flawed. Everyone. I don't care if they have a heavy prophetic unction, a heavy apostolic unction, whatever it may be in their giftings or spiritual giftings. All are flawed. And because of our humanity and the condition that we know of as original sin. 
it, it, it just it's going to happen. We're going to have a failing morally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. It's going to happen. It's just part of the human existence. However, we are enabled and empowered by God to seek his kingdom, his grace, his mercy, and minister in the same manner that we would want God to minister to us. So in hearing him, reading what he said about his um, seeking uh, physical restoration because of his body and his soul was deeply wounded and impacted by a life that was rooted in shame. And if you know his background, he shared his testimony. Um, and again, it goes back to the idea of the need for uh, the church to address the emotional side of spirituality, which we have not done for generations because we've been taught to repress emotions and only seek the Lord for joy, joy unspeakable and peace that passes understanding. But and uh, those moments become fleeting when when they become overwhelming. I mean, well. Uh, they become fleeting, joyful moments, peaceful moments. When you have moments like, you know, times like this in the pandemic where loved ones are dying from from COVID and gun violence is increasing across this country. <laughs> yeah, people are really seeking for emotional wellness. And... Uh, we got to do a better job doing that. So, yeah, I'll be praying for Pastor Graves and uh, the Relentless Church, and particularly for the church because we already know, and this is a safe assumption, that a lot of members are going to leave. They they won't they won't stand. Now, this is funny though. Uh, we can assume, and it'd be probably accurate that a, a vast majority of, I'd say about seventy five percent of his membership. Uh, maybe 85, 90 uh, African Americans, probably greater than that. But uh, I would say about 75% of that population in his congregation are female. And they will stand by their man, <laughs> their pastor. They're going to, I mean, just the fact, just the fact that he has announced that he is struggling, they're going to stand by him. Um, which makes me wonder about supporting his wife. You know, this is the real thing. The emotional uh, affair, as I understand, for women cover from then a physical affair, as I understand it, having spoken with some female friends. Uh, but the church, those women are going to support him, and they're going to support his wife. The question is, how would they support the wife? Would they would they request, would they encourage her to move on? Would they encourage her to, you know, be independent and go on because she can do better or she can do bad all by herself? Or would they encourage her to stay with him because they need the imagery of the strong black family? Family. That that's just something we we would never know, but they are in my prayers, and 
it, it is what it is. So moving on to the next thing I want to talk about before we get into all the other headlines and things. One uh, this weekend, I tell you, uh, if you if you're not aware, Hurricane Laura really uh, impacted my home state of Louisiana and my hometown in Louisiana very very hard. Matter of factly, it was several days before uh, my grandfather and brothers received power. As a matter of fact, I I think there's still people in my hometown without power. There was a lot of damage to my high school, other buildings, a lot of wind damage from Hurricane Laura. Um, so praying for them and praying for recovery. But but the, the, the biggest, saddest news that I think all of us received over the weekend was the death of actor Chadwick Boseman, brought to life the animated and comic book hero Black Panther, uh, uh, T'Challa. He brought to life that character and gave a sense of black pride. I, I don't I don't know why, but you know, black black people we flocked to the to that those theaters to watch that movie. We helped that movie gross over a billion dollars. And you know, we were crossing our arms across our chest, Wakanda forever. And the imagery presented within uh, the tale of the Black Panther uh, uh, empowered us to say we are kings and queens. And not only did he play that role, but he also played the role of uh, Robinson, Jackie Robinson, who, of course, we know was the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball number 42 himself. And he 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 put that role out there. He put it into everything, you know, put everything he had into that role and did an awesome job portraying Jackie Robinson. Followed that up with portraying the great Godfather of Soul, Mr. James Brown himself. And get on up. And I was fortunate to have uh, been one of the extras <laughs> while they were filming here in, in the Jackson metro area. Won't see me anywhere in the movie. I, I don't think, but it was just fun to be a part of the crowd <laughs> as they were filming. Um, and that was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So he, he has portrayed characters. In fiction, in, in in movie, I'm sorry, on the screen that reflected black excellence, and because of that, his passing, just like the passing of John Lewis, just like the passing of of the others, great leaders this year, just like their passing impacted, uh, affected us emotionally. But his passing has done so. It has impacted me more because, you know, he was 42, 43 years old. Um, and he 
battled cancer. And while battling cancer, continued to work on movie projects. That's 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 a hero right there. <laughs> and uh and he did it with with you know, he didn't let very people a lot of people know what he was really experiencing physically. And yes, there were leaks about plausible health issues with him and there there were reports as early as this year, early I think early summer, spring somewhere there that, you know, he was possibly in failing health. Um so so it wasn't awareness, but you know, he didn't he didn't put it out there. And while he was filming all of this, he you know, he was re- getting care for his cancer. And it just amazes me how he managed to do that because you got to think about it. with colon cancer, not only are you experiencing renal issues and colon issues, but the the the, the, the rich uh, ritual of having to go through uh, chemotherapy and take those medicines required and maintain uh, the physical health to do the work that he was doing as the character Black Panther. And not only in Black Panther, but all the movies that he did required a lot of physical work. And he did all that while battling his condition. That That is a hero. And the funny thing is I was, you know, on YouTube and, and social media, you can find all kinds of stuff. There are already conspiracy theories regarding his health, you know, him, his health. Maybe he's not really die, dead, you know, or the condition that he had wasn't really what it, he he had. Uh, there was one YouTuber even saying <laughs> that they didn't get his birthday right, his age right. Some are saying he was 42 last year. Now he's 43 going on 44, 44 in November had he lived. It's just, it's just crazy. They were, yeah, We've been doing this. Since since Tupac, well, actually before Tupac, <laughs> we we've been doing this for a long time regarding uh, black celebrities, and of course, white people still believe Elvis and JFK are alive. So, I guess if they can do it, we can do it too. You know, faking deaths is is the new conspiracy. <laughs> but I I I hope. And the question I posed as I was putting this together is, will this be empowering for black men to be more concerned about self-care and health care? We already know that there's a disparity when it came to the COVID-19 virus, that it has detrimentally affected and impacted the black community more than any other community in this country. Not only that, because most of us already have some underlying condition, some pre-existing condition, especially men, we are more likely to succumb from our conditions because we are more likely not to be honest about our condition. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and even when I go to my doctor, I have this fear of being honest about what I'm really Experience and what my numbers are really like, 
because I don't want him to. Say, I don't want to say, well, my numbers really are higher than they need to be, and I don't want to be on any more insulin, higher doses of insulin. You know, I, I want. I just want to leave it alone, and maybe, maybe if I just do the minimum, I'll be all right. So I know if I'm thinking like that, think about how many uh, more men are thinking like that. And I've had a number of friends. Uh, one 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 of my friends, in particular, my classmate, high school classmate, and best friend growing up, military man, and all of that wonderful father, died at a heart attack, and. Um, not only did he die of a heart attack, uh, it was later we later learned that he had some other conditions that he just didn't address. He figured as long as he was physically well, you know, healthy, you know, building and taking care of his body, muscular and all of that stuff, as long as he did that, he was okay. He got his exercise in, but but that one small thing took him out. We can go down the line of of the names of our men who have succumbed to something that was preventable naturally. And uh, I, I'm just hoping that we will be more aware. And the other thing that Chad with Boseman helped me understand is that you know even when you're going through things such as as cancer, you know, you don't have to let everybody know. And he, he was a very private person. We understand that. And some celebrities like all that stuff on blast. I don't understand why, but we're consumers. And so we could we take that in and we make it a part of our struggle. We add our, we add extra anxiety and stress on us because we concern about them. <laughs> and, I guess that's part of the human connectivity. I, I don't know. It's just gossip sometimes. It's just, we just love gossip. But it's neither here nor there. But I hope that when it comes to serious illnesses, that and men, if you're listening, if you're over 45, I just turned 45, and I have realized it's time for me to go through these checks, you know, get my colon checked, get my uh, pancreas, uh, not my pancreas, uh, get my uh, <laughs> uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, prostrate, get my prostrate checked, and to ensure that I can live a healthy life and continue to serve this present age. Uh, so we mourn and lament his loss. But I hope, and, and, and for me, and I don't know why I've been making this personal this whole time. I've been talking about me more. I've been talking about anything. <laughs> I, I got to stop interjecting myself into this story. I'm just pr- supposed to be providing commentary. But really, I'm making this personal because uh, being a type 1 diabetic, then that I have a chronic illness, a terminal illness, I... There's nothing I can do unless the Lord completely heals me. There's nothing I can do to get rid of it. The only thing I can do is be a better manager of my condition and just being more aware of what I need to do 
to take better care of myself to ensure that I could delay all that's going to happen. You know, the older I get, you know, if I could delay much of this as possible until they come up with a transplant. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But pray for his family. Um, Pray for black men. We got it. We got it tough right now. We got it. We got it tough. We got it tough, and we need prayers. So I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Mr. Tyler Perry, billionaire, and uh, a little bit more about this Kenosha thing that's happening. So, anyway, I will take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID Shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. I'm Dr. Lorenzo O'Neill, and I like to speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings. You're listening to Zira today with Dr. Lorenzo Neal.
Welcome back to Zero Today. I am your host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Take this time. If you have not done so, go to the Zero Network on Facebook. Like that page. Follow. Listen to all the archive shows. Leave comments on things that you like. But also, let me know that you like this show. You can listen to all uh, on all podcast outlets from iHeartRadio to iTunes, wherever you get it, we're glad you get it. Also, if you have not done so, I want to invite you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can support this show. Let's get back into the broadcast for the day. Yeah, that was a little loud. <laughs> Look at my producer. He's like, what? Why are you so loud? Because you know, I, I get excited. Don't blame me. I get excited. I'm excited about this story. I'm excited because this is about a story. This is a story about somebody I get confused for. I don't know how, but Mr. Tyler Perry, Medea himself or herself, I don't know. Mr. Tyler Perry, uh, the actor, the director, the producer, the writer, the creator has been listed officially by Forbes magazine as a billionaire. That's right, you heard it. Billionaire. Um, he joins an exclusive club. Uh, there are very few black billionaires in the world. In the world, and when we look at it, this is an exclusive list. Uh, so we, when we, when we think about billionaires, uh, first comes to our mind is Oprah Winfrey, and it's all about 16 years ago when she made the list, and she was worth about two billion. Um, then uh, Bob Johnson founded, uh, I want to say BET or all, whatever he, he's uh, Bob Johnson, you know, Robert Johnson, billionaire. Um, uh, who else? I think now, uh, Jay Z is he a billionaire billionaire yet? I, I'm not sure if he's he's close to it. He's definitely approaching it. Dr. Dre is a billionaire, um, and this is just American. Uh, when you get out of the country, there there, there are many more uh, on the African side. There are a lot of billionaires in in Africa. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan <laughs> is uh, a billionaire. Um, there's this guy, David Stewart, Robert Smith, and we know Robert Smith uh, recently pledged to pay off the uh, student debt for graduates at at um, was it Morehouse? I believe it was. But he he's worth a uh, 
four or five billion. I, I want to say about four or five billion dollars. And now they're investigating him for <laughs> tax. <laughs> there was one report, uh, one news outlet that was said that they're they they're trying to uh, get him for tax fraud because he started talking about reparations. Well, he's a billionaire. He can give reparations if he wanted to. He doesn't have to ask the country to do it when he's able to do it himself. Jay-Z is a billionaire. I just read it up. Jay-Z is a billionaire. And uh, Kanye West. Kanye West, yes, is a billionaire. And he's running for, he's still running for president. <laughs> he's still running for president. Um, billionaire. Uh I think some people were saying Michael Jackson was a billionaire at at the time of his passing. I, I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. I just happened to pull that up, and it talks Michael Jackson saying that he was worth over a billion. It, they, all of them combined, all those names I I mentioned combined are still nowhere near <laughs> the top list. Bill Gates, uh, what's his name? Uh, Boz, Will, Warren Buffett. Um, what, what's the guy's name that 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 owned Amazon? Y'all know who I'm talking about. Jeff Bezos. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos is currently the wealthiest man in the world. In the world. And all the names I mentioned are still only a fraction of what he's worth. Combined, Oprah Winfrey, Robert Smith, Robert Johnson, Jay-Z, Kanye, Michael Jordan, those those. They still only have maybe combined, maybe combined, uh, little maybe about five percent. They they make up they their their wealth combined is only about five percent of the top three of of uh, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett. Think about that. And. Now Tyler Perry has been added to that list. And I oh the world's according to this and I don't really use Wikipedia that much, but according to to what they're saying, uh according to Forbes twenty nineteen rank, ranking, Nigerian business magate Aliko Dangote has a net worth of ten billion. And he is the world's richest black person. And that is followed up by another Nigerian. I ain't going to try to pronounce his last name. Who's worth $9 billion. And then we, uh, I said Robert Smith. I was right. He's worth $5 billion. Uh, David Stewart, who who is very low-key. I've read about him a couple of times in uh, Black Enterprise. And... Uh, He's an investment. He's worth three billion, of course. Oprah is only worth two point five billion. Uh, Michael Jordan is worth two point one billion. 
uh, and Jay Z is one billion, and now Tyler Perry and well Kanye West is one point three billion. Tyler Perry is one billion, uh, and they go on the list some others. Uh, the Wikipedia article that I'm reading from lists Black Americans, uh, multi uh, biracial, and then it gives the list of all the uh, billionaires. Guys, our wealth uh, at are very very wealthy, and it says it it really acts makes me beg the question or really begs the question about this narrative presenting presented to the general public regarding black lives and black achievement we are clearly seeing that it is very much possible to have a rags to riches story in the United States of America we know Tyler Perry's background, and I personally know, I have, you know, known of him for a number of years. Uh, was that? Uh, his mother was AME, in a little town in South Louisiana, and and so Tyler Perry has has, you know, been in the forefront of black entertainment. For at least the last 25 plus years, almost 30 years, if not 30 years. So you, you know, he 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 always shares how he was homeless, and he shared how, you know, he was borrowing money to make productions for his plays, and and his plays really are what shot him to the limelight. And I've I've seen a lot of his plays in person, and I was getting bored because I'm like, man, they just singing too much. I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the plays. I thought they were well put together, but I like, it's just too much singing. I love the music. I just didn't like all the singing. <laughs> it was just funny, man. I was I, I, I I've I've gone to at least four in live, uh, four live plays of his. And seen at least half a dozen on you know on video, and uh, they were good. You know they they were worth passing the time. You you watched them to pass the time. <laughs> I I did. I I but to know that he put in the effort and the time and the production, and he wrote, he directed, and he acted in most of his projects. Or he acts in most of his projects. Um, that says a lot. Also says, you know, when people people saw him as bailing out the Oprah Winfrey network on, you know, by adding his content to that, it it basically bailed them out, bailed her network out. Now I don't know how true that is, but if you watch Oprah about. I I say about a quarter of the the shows on there are Tyler Perry's, and of course TBS. Uh, TBS was really very gracious to him, and uh, I, I tell you, 
he was able to diversify his actors and his his productions. So segueing from the stage to the screen to uh, the the large screen and the small screen says a lot about what he's about. And the controversy that everybody has with Tyler Perry, as with a lot of black actors who dress in drag, it's not only a question of their sexuality. You know, you know, do they sell their soul to the devil? And there's, you know, there's always this, there's always been this conspiracy theory, and I know how, don't know how true it is, but for for black actors, black male actors, to really become superstars, uh, you know, put that dress on, put that wig on, become feminine. You saw it with Martin Lawrence, you saw it with Terry Crews, you saw it with, um, with, um, of course, Tyler Perry. Flip Wilson. Um, there are a number of others who have done that, and when they did that, their their careers became mainstream. You know, I hate that we have to do that as blacks. We have to do something so extraordinary to become mainstream. You're talking about Tyler Perry had a career, you know. 20 years before my, before Madea hit the theaters. You know, before the Madea movies hit the theaters, he had a career. But he wasn't mainstream. And now he's mainstream. And there are a lot of people who said, you know, he sold out. And for me, what I really appreciated about what Tyler Perry did is because he has a deep faith and I know a lot a lot of Christians not Christians but a lot of preachers question him a lot of male preachers question his faith because you know they're looking at his material his productions and so he had one movie where he had a sex scene and he had another movie you know of course with all the Madea movies he's dressing up and he's cursing and he's you know Vulgar to a degree uh, In that character The women love it But black men Some you know Some of them just despise it They they, they despise it And And then you add the element of his faith Into it Every one of his productions Especially his plays you know They were always They were always about some point I I I know of one one um, play in particular. Now he may have done it at others, but this this one play, you know, the spirit was high, and he actually extended an you know an altar call, and people went up and were prayed for by the by the actors, and by the by they were prayed for, and a lot of his a lot of his uh, actors have that background in in the church and and in ministry. A lot of them were in ministry. And, you know, they had the gift to sing, so they joined up. They wanted to go into that arena of, of entertainment, and they did. And, well, you know, it launched some musical careers. Of course, it launched the career of David and Tammy LaMann, uh, made them mainstream, you know, Brown. <laughs> and uh, 
what what I don't know what Tamala's character name was. Maybe y'all can help me. Uh, I know I never learned her name. I never really paid attention. I don't. Anyway, but it launched a lot of careers, and it brought back to life a lot of careers that were fledgling. And he did that, but but there were moments where where Ty Perry came across as a preacher, and then moments where he came across as a sinner, and people were not able to differentiate him. He was he's kind of like this chameleon to a degree. For example, one moment he's laying hands and speaking in tongues while praying for Bishop T D Jakes, and then and you know another moment. He's portraying this role, not just Medea, but characters, you know, and creating characters that completely contradict what he had just shown in regarding to his faith and practice of that faith. So, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, The the reality is that, that we... I'm 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 shifting this toward this narrative, and I might not even get into the other topic I want to talk about, but I'm I'm going to shift this toward this narrative. The 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 opponents of the Black Lives Matter movement, global movement, not the not the chant, not the idea, but I'm talking about the actual global movement are perpetuate they're perpetuating this imagery and this narrative of Black desperation. And uh, black inefficacy that we can't do for ourselves. We are so broken, we have been so oppressed that we can't do for ourselves. And the rare ones break out of that. In, in this case, Tyler Perry, uh, Oprah Winfrey, they, you know, they break out of that. And Jay Z, they break out of that, and they're the rare ones who break out of that and achieve this fiscal success, the American dream. And it sends this narrative that only those few can do that. And particularly, and I've said this before on air, you know, you have to have a very specific skill set. If you're black in America, you have to have a very specific skill set to reach uh, mainstream success. With athletics, you got to be able to do it and make your owners wealthy in the process. You'll accumulate wealth, but they, uh, up until recently, will hold that, you know, hold you in line, make you toe the line to do so. Michael Jordan never spoke out against injustice while he was playing and really hasn't done so since he's been retired. As I, as far as I know, yet he's a millionaire because all he did was endorse a shoe. That's it. He endorsed a shoe that in turn uh, allowed him to to perform better. Well, his performance led to his endorsement that led to better performances that led to more money and more endorsements. So, Oprah Winfrey, her background from poor to being overlooked in her career of choice to finally getting that break in, running with it, 
And I'm going to tell you to be honest with you. I've always adored Oprah Winfrey because of her tenacity and the fact that, you know, she she she's a go-getter. She's a go-getter. She got it, and boom, we get it. And so I don't agree with a lot of her ideologies, and, but that's neither here nor there. The woman has proven that we can break the narrative. You don't have to succumb to the adversities that you may have been placed or born within or even existing. You can change that. You can you can change the direction of your wealth. You can change the direction of your health. You know. And they they prove that. But the narrative keeps going forth right now in this very moment that black people can't do it. Particularly in urban communities where it's plagued with gun violence, drugs, domestic abuse, and even now sexual trafficking, exploitation of young black boys and young black women, young black girls sexually. Uh, give this sense of angst and, and dread that they can't get out of it. And when the reality is they've been being conditioned to not try to get out of it. Get a hustle? Yeah, get a hustle. But the hustle that you get, if it's negatively impacting your community, is going to, in turn, bite you and cause you not to get where you could be. They present this idea of helplessness, and I think it's sad. It's not – I can't say it's re- really reinforced by the persons that I, I named, I listed, uh, that there that there could be some evidence to say that they contributed to the to some degree, but you know I, I'm not going to say that. I think largely it's a media-driven narrative that intentionally tries to keep uh, black excellence low, to say that only so many people, black people, black men, black women, can succeed. And we don't want them to get too successful because once they get too successful, they start talking reparations. <laughs> they start talking what what should be doing. And they once they get the money to fund it, think about what Oprah has done. You know, and, and people say she's not doing enough. That's neither here nor there. Some people say Tyler Perry is not doing enough. But Tyler Perry right now, at this very moment, is su- supporting his entire production crew. On his on his uh, movie lot, his studio. I mean, literally providing housing, providing uh, health care, providing uh, money, all of that during this quarantine. They're able to be in one place, and he's continuing production. That that says a lot about it. Um, but again, the 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 argument that I'm presenting is that the media will say to the average black man, the average black woman, that they're the exception, not the rule. When the narrative should be, we're all the rule. They are just showing you the the means of doing so. You know, and and that's what we got to promote. As a pastor, that's what I try to promote. I'm, I'm not a health and wealth prosperity preacher, but I know 
I know prosperity is a part of the human existence. And, and you know, if you want to believe God wants you wealthy, then guess what? The Lord has afforded opportunities and resources for you to accumulate wealth. And if you accumulate the wealth, he also gives you the responsibility to uh, care and be stewards of the wealth and share the wealth, however you choose to do so. You know, I, it's not my role to dictate to Tyler Perry, now that he's a billionaire, how he should disperse his wealth. You know, don't just don't just be telling folks, fund this, fund that. Put your money where your mouth is. You know what? When they do that, they get criticized for not doing enough. Some people want them to spend all their money. <laughs> it took them long enough to get it. They don't want to spend it all. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Um, but we really got to change this narrative. We really have to change this narrative. Black men, you can do it. You are equipped with the intelligence and the resources and the connection to the divine to accumulate the wealth family for you to be empowering so you won't be uh, you won't be in bondage to a system that is rigged against you and I know a lot of folks don't want to believe that. And I, you know, there's some who, when it comes to like Jay Z, there's some who who argue that well, Jay Z got his his he accumulated his wealth by by uh, taking advantage of the people. You know, he's rapping about drugs, he's rapping about sex, he's calling himself Hova, uh, you know, uh, Jay, uh, whatever he's calling them, you know. But no, he was a shrewd businessman. He knew what to do, or he learned what to do. And I believe, and I'm hoping, one day we'll see another Black Wall Street. We'll see another cities where the black population is all thriving because they are all economically empowered. You know, we should just have churches that are the wealthiest. Uh, entities in the communities, and in a lot of urban communities, that's the church is the wealthiest business in the community. That should not be the case. And uh, anyway, I've ran it enough. Congratulations, Tyler Perry. Congratulations to all who are working hard to earn money. You know, get out the system, work for yourself, build your wealth. Discover how you can build the wealth. There are outlets to do it now. No reason uh, these YouTubers, these white YouTubers, young white kids exploit other young white kids become millionaires. Well, I don't say we. I don't say we need to use exploitation to do so, but we we can do it, and we should do it. Anyway. That's all I got for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure, again, you go to the Facebook page, Zero Network. 
like that page, listen to archive shows, visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. And if you're thinking about robbery, go to Patreon.com slash LorenzoTNeal and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate you so much. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for listening. And I appreciate you. And until next time, Dr. Neal has got to go. Don't know where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere. And you guys have a great day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.